Okay, table, we're back. All right, you're all so very excited. Uh, I'm going to need a little more energy from you because we're talking about mental health tonight. Who doesn't get excited about that? Uh, there is a, a special treat for someone who gets to stand in front of a bunch of young adults and talk about mental health. So I'm just believing for that this side of heaven, all right? God's got something for us tonight. Um, I was listening to that last song, and you guys have to understand that what we're going to talk about tonight is pushing back that very thing, that the name of Jesus allows us to push back the darkness. And I think there's something going on. There's an epidemic, especially in your generation, that it says you can't get rid of the darkness. It stays with you. It's this cloud. It's this anxiety. It's this depression. It's this thing. And tonight I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story and talk about the fact that I believe depression, anxiety, mental health are real things, but I also believe that Jesus is real. And if we leave it to just the counseling, we're going to leave it short. And so tonight we're going to talk all about that, if you guys are cool with it. Um, I want to, some of the things I'm going to talk about, a friend of mine, Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor in uh, Oklahoma City, wrote this book called Winning the War in Your Mind. Anybody ever read this by any chance? Good. Well, maybe he can sell a few more books, but I'm going to encourage you guys. This is such a helpful resource around the simple idea that we each have cognitive biases. We each have a, a wiring that bends us towards certain things. And we get in these mental ruts, don't we? We get in these mental mindsets where we just can't seem to get on the other side of that. And this book right here is one of the most helpful resources on that specific thing. So we're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. But one of the things Craig says, one of the ways that you can get out of a mental mindset, bad mindset is to sit with someone a little further ahead in life, somebody a season ahead. So I volunteered as tribute. I'm going to be the season ahead person tonight. Is that okay? You guys okay with that? Um, it does bring an advantage of having to walk through this a lot. And then as you guys have been getting to know me, you've heard about this nonprofit that I started. And what we do is we spend our, our days trying to take care of pastors um, and leaders, and, and uh, Monday I'll leave to head to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and we have 24 new pastors that will start their 12 months with us. And so I wanted to ask, as we kind of dive into this, how many of you would be willing to um, daily next week pray for these leaders? Uh, spend some of your prayer time, thank you. Uh, I see that hand, I see that hand. Um, it's a big deal, and if you don't think the spiritual warfare that goes into leading the leaders of the church is real, then you're crazy. And for the last 15 years of my life, I've spent my days leading and pastoring pastors. And my family takes a beating because of it sometimes. My wife has uh, rheumatoid arthritis. If you don't know what that is, it's an autoimmune disease, but it also creates, if, if untreated, the inflammation will create long-term arthritis. Does that make sense? And you guys, for the, this, is our, uh, this week will be the fourth year that we've started uh, these trips. And every year, the week leading up to this, something happens with my wife's rheumatoid arthritis that gets out of control. The first year, the day before I left, I had to roll her around in an office chair because her hip went out so bad. And I remember looking at her, I was like, Carrie, do you want me to, like, I can move my flight. And she looked at me as clear as day. She goes, you know what this is. We are not going to back down because I'm not feeling well. Our family feels called to serve pastors and leaders and women in leadership and the things God's called us to serve, but you have to understand there's a cost to it. And tonight I'm going to talk about some of the costs I've, in, in, uh, I've taken on as I've continued to try to serve in these spaces. And, and friends, I want to tell you tonight, 
Mental health is an epidemic right now. It's, it's passing. It is, it is running through your generation like I've never seen before. I'm going to talk about the fact that's real, but I'm also going to push you a little bit tonight. Because I believe it's easy for us sometimes to allow what the culture says about mental health to become our norm. To become the thing that we sit in, the crutch that we carry, so that we make sure, well, I just can't get over this hurdle. You might not be able to, but Jesus can help. I believe that with all my heart. So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. So I'm going to say this simple phrase. Uh, you remember we've been talking about vitals, right? V-I-T-A-L-S. Um, it's kind of, I, I hate spelling things in front of people because you know you're going to screw it up, but I did pretty good with that. So tonight we're talking about mental health, and the word we're going to use is alignment. Everybody say alignment. How many of you have a car? Hopefully, like some of you do, right? What happens when your car gets out of alignment? It veers, doesn't it? You literally can take your hands off the steering wheel, and it'll start moving one way or to the other, right? It'll start kind of taking its own path. And that's how alignment and mental health go together. When we disconnect the alignment that's going on in here with the alignment that's going on up here, this 18 inches really can't affect the long-term destination that we're going to. And we've all felt that. You've all been there, right? You're, you're in a space, you're, you're feeling pretty good, and all of a sudden you haven't really paid attention to the alignment a little bit. You haven't been having your quiet time. You haven't been praying. You're not in community. You're not showing up. Next thing you know, you're, you're two degrees off from where you wanted to be. And now you're going, how did I get over here? And you guys, I'm telling you, as you get older, those turned into years of going, how did I, where, what happened? How far did I get off course? How did this happen? And I want to encourage you, let's not get to years. Let's see what God wants to do in your heart tonight to make sure that you are aligned from here to here. Um, a few years back, uh, when I used to lead this national organization, we went through probably one of the hardest things um, I've ever went through, uh, uh, just leading a, a, a national Christian leadership thing, and it's starting to not go well. Uh, we had some ownership challenges. We had just some challenges of the culture we were in. And uh, for, in 2018, I had about six months of the most, um, and I am, when I say I'm as orange, uh, excuse me, as yellow on the temperament, like uh, Bob Goff said one time that I'm not a seven on the Enneagram, the test is wrong. You know what I mean? So, so those of you that know the Enneagram, it just says you just, if it's not fun, you don't want any part of it, right? For me, that's true. Like I, I am as positive, I'm over positive, even as Craig talks about one of the uh, uh, cognitive biases is you can be too optimistic. That's me. I believe we can do all the things, you know? I believe that right now, if we wanted to bring an elephant through the roof, we could. Anybody else believe that with me? Come on, let's go. We can make this happen, guys. So we all have these, these biases, and, and what was happening around me was my world was imploding. And when I tell you, I had a staff of about 30, and in one week, I had to fire 15 of my favorite people. That sucks. I woke up for six months with a weight on my chest every single morning. People will tell you leadership is lonely at the top. It's not lonely because you don't have friends. It's lonely because you carry a weight that nobody else carries. When I was laying there waking up with this weight on my chest, the rest of my team was not. That was my weight to carry. And so the amount of anxiety and stuff started creeping up into my heart. I started going, God, I don't think you're real sometimes. I doubt that you have good plans for me. Anybody sing that song? You're like, I don't know. Because my circumstances right now, God, I mean, maybe, but it doesn't feel like it right now, does it? My friend Lisa Turkhurst, if you've ever heard her story, she runs Proverbs 31 ministry. And I apologize. I say my friends sometimes, I promise I am not trying to be weird or like, but these are friends of mine. And I'm, I, I, I'm not, I'm, anyway, 
you, you understand what I'm saying here. Anyway, she always said that she went through a terrible divorce. Uh, she had uh, breast cancer and had this crazy stuff happen. And in the midst of that, she wrote a book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. It's a phenomenal book if you're ever trying to walk through some of this stuff. And she said, our feelings are indicators, not dictators. They indicate that something's not right. But you guys, we live in a day and age that we let our feelings tell us exactly what's right and wrong, don't we? And we lose sight. And I remember in this season of my life going, Lord, I, what I feel right now does not match what I believe about you. But yet, I don't know how to reconcile these things. I'm so distant from believing that you have good plans for me. And yet I get up on stages like this and tell people God's got good plans for them. That's hard. But it doesn't mean I don't think it's true. And so tonight, I want to help us realign a little bit tonight. Does that work for you guys? Realign what, what it looks like in these seasons of dark nights of the soul. Of What do we do? What do we do so that we come out on the other side going, God is still good, he's still real, and I believe him better than I ever have, even though my circumstances are saying something different. Some of you hate me right now because we're talking about it. Because you're going, I've been dealing with this a long time. I am in no way saying it's not real. You're going to hear me talk more about it. But I do believe that Jesus is more real. And that Jesus with counseling, Jesus with therapy, Jesus with the things we need to do could absolutely change the game. I'm going to tell you why this matters. Uh, Craig says this in the book, that our thoughts will take us towards something or away from something. And then he says, our lives follow directions of our thoughts. Our lives follow the directions of our thoughts. Some of you came in tonight thinking, I'm going to meet somebody. And you did, and it was not what you thought. But sometimes our mindsets can mess us up. I told you, I think it was last week, I talked about growing up in a scarcity financial mindset because I grew up in one. That mindset affected me for 30 years because I had been hurt. I had been promised things, uh, material things that never happened. And I remember going, I'm sick and tired of being hurt by this promise. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to protect the hurt, right? And so my belief is if it's not in my hands, it's not real. And you guys, God's not like that. But yet, I put some bad thinking. My mindset was wrong. Some of you think that what you've done in the past, your mindset says, God has nothing good for me. Because I've, come too far, I've gone too far. I went the wrong direction for too long. And I'm here to tell you tonight that you have a loving, heavenly Father who never would say that. Who is so full of grace for you, it's unbelievable. Like the grace that he has for what your situation is, is beyond what you could ever imagine in your own life. That's the kind of God we serve. Mindset is everything. If you, uh, there was a book I read uh, years ago called uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Has anybody ever heard that book? It's like a business book. And I read that going, this is different than what I was taught. I was taught, my dad was a mechanic my whole life. We, you get a good job and that's it. And now I have like seven clients, multiple business. Like it's like my mindset had to shift, had to start thinking differently. I, I failed an entrepreneurial test at one church I worked at miserably. Like they were literally like, please don't ever start anything. Like you're, it's not going to go well for you. And God reminded me that two years ago. I was sitting in, Dece it was December two years ago. I was working on this nonprofit. Unbelievable that we are almost a million dollars a year nonprofit right now out of just a belief and obedience to what God had called me to do. And I don't do that to brag. I'm going, I brag on God because I just showed up doing what he said and he shows up to pay for it. It's pretty awesome. And I get to go snowmobiling in the middle of it. Hello. 
But here's what I know. That test, God reminded me, somebody told you that, not me. Because I got good plans for you, Tyler. I got good plans for you and your family. I got good plans for your boys. I got good plans for your wife, even though she walks through these difficult days. I got good plans for you, even though you came from a background that doesn't say what you're doing should have happened. And you guys, some of you in this, in this room, even though God said those things over you, you don't believe them anymore. Because something up here, the cloud has come in and it's kept you from believing the things that God has for you because it's too hard to imagine that he would actually do that for you. And I think God has good plans for us. So mindset, it's everything. But we're living in a day and age where stressors are changing every day. Uh, One in five people have experienced mental health issues, not just mental health challenges here and there, but like issues. That's the current statistics. Adults ages 18 to 34, which most of you would fall in, still reported the highest rate of mental illness at 50%. One in two in this room feel mental challenge. Now, as a professor, I, I teach down at Southeastern sometimes. I had, I had students. This is where I'm going to push on you a little bit, okay? I had students that would go, uh, Professor Reagan, which is what I kind of want y'all to refer to me as. Um, just kidding. They would say, uh, I, I didn't get the homework done because I just was having a bad mental health day. I get it, you guys. When you get my age, everything hurts. But I still got to come to work, right? I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying that sometimes we can sit back and be like, well, yeah, yeah, I got to come up with something. And the more you tell yourself, I'm not doing well, the more you're not going to be doing well. But the more you tell yourself the promises that God has for you, you remind yourself that you fight not for victory, but from victory because of Jesus on the cross, you will find yourself stepping into a space where you're going, wow, how did I get my head above water? I haven't been above water in months. It's amazing what happens when you surrender to the right things. A couple of the stressors, I believe, are just crushing these generations that we're serving and and leaning into together, you guys. Social media is, is absolute. I read a thing the other day. A guy said, please don't ever let your teenage kids on social media as long as you can. Like literally never, because every research that comes out about it says how harmful it is. And some of you right now, if I were to tell you, take a day off, 24 hours from your phone, from social media, you would literally start convulsing and freaking out because it's an addiction. It's dopamine hits. When you go through counseling and they do an assessment on your addictions, guess what sits in there just as high as everything possible with drugs and alcohol and sex and other things? Technology. I remember I went through a, a, a week-long group counseling thing and we're, that we talked about a little bit last week, and we all had to take that assessment. And every single person in that room failed technology. And yet we just act like it's not a thing. We act like it's not a thing. John Tyson, who's a pastor in New York, says that we're allowing our teenagers, and some of you have grown up in this, to self-initiate. You're choosing what you believe by what you've read and what you've watched. Guys, I'm here to tell you that is not good enough. There's some truth that you need to anchor around your spirit, anchor around your soul, anchor around what you are, your identity, and who God has you, who who God has made you so that you can do the things God has called you. But if you let this phone thing continue to be the stressor and the mental health uh, crusher, it will do that. Because it is not built for your building up, it is not built for you to flourish. Honestly, most of it's built for you to 
want more, need more, see more, and feel like you're not enough. And I am not against, listen, I have Instagram, crushing the Instagram game, okay guys? Thank you. It's, <laughs> I'm terrible at it for the record. I do it for other things, but man, I find myself just living in it sometimes. When I travel, boom, I'm just sitting in it because I'm, I'm bored. Right? I got nothing else to do. Pull my phone out and look at it. What if God has other stuff for our generations? I think media media has become a stressor that is so intense in our lives. The things we hear, I mean, COVID's a perfect example of how real it was, but also how ridiculously brilliant out of proportion some of it was. And again, it doesn't mean it didn't happen, it wasn't real, but how we listen and who we listen to is going to be an indication of how we believe about things. What do we say the first week? Our belief informs our behavior. Where you're choosing to import your belief system is going to inform your behavior. And I think the last thing I would say that's a stressor that you're all, we're all under is the constant conversation that we're all under stress. How many of you have heard in the last few days, multiple times, we're living with uh, isolation, we're living, which we are, we've talked about this. All these things are real, but they are still too much for us to carry every day. And God's going, no, there's better stuff for us. I want a generation that's living free from these things. I want a generation that's raising up to tell other people about the freedom that comes with Jesus. And I am not saying that when it comes with Jesus and we follow Jesus that everything goes away and it just gets better and beautiful. It does get beautiful, but it doesn't necessarily always get better because there's work required in this. There's work to do. Here's what happens when you're dealing with mental health and you can't figure out which way is up. We start medicating. And we medicate to numb feelings, don't we? I don't want to think about that thing because it hurts too much. So what am I going to do? I'm going to play Fortnite all night. You laugh, but you do it. And I'm really good. So whoever's right, why are you laughing? That's, that's hurting my feelings. You assume because I can roller skate that I can't play Fortnite. Is that fair? Okay, fair enough. You pull out your phone because you don't want to feel what you're feeling right now. You go to Raising Cane's. Anybody? No? It's my favorite, for the record. It's the jam. You medicate through drugs, potentially. You medicate by distracting, pulling yourself away from your friends. We medicate because we don't want to step into the pain box. And you guys, I don't care if you're 6 or 60, there are pain boxes we have to step into. And what they will tell you in counseling and they will tell you in therapy is that if you don't go into the pain box and do the work in there, if you always walk around it, you will never get anywhere. So that's why tonight I'm telling you, it's counseling plus Jesus. Some of you don't need the counseling. You just need Jesus. Because you keep telling yourself lies. And Jesus wants to tell you some truth tonight. We need counselors and Jesus. Listen, I'm telling you right now, I'm leaving in a, in a few days to take 24 pastors who don't even talk about this stuff. They don't have a safe place to say, I am having inappropriate feelings, or I'm struggling with alcohol, or I'm doing, they have nowhere to talk about that. And we take them out in snowmobile just so they get out of their house, get out of their place, get out of their church, and have a little bit of fun. And then at night we sit around and go, hey, so what's going on? And then in the middle of the year, we take them to a five-day counseling retreat where they start talking about trauma they've never talked about in their lives. I literally had a guy go, I hate you and I love you at the same time. 
He said, the counseling you just took us through saved my marriage and probably saved my ministry. I'm not saying that about me. I'm saying we need counseling and Jesus. But a lot of us just need Jesus tonight. A lot of us just need to be held by our Heavenly Father because we don't think He wants to hold us. And I think tonight He does. Here's the thing about recovery. If you go through counseling, what the goal of counseling is to get you to recovery. Everybody heard that before? If you're an alcoholic, you go through AA, you're going to go to the point of trying to be in recovery. Well, guess when recovery ends? Never. That's not wrong. That's just the point. We're always in recovery. But here's where counseling that's not Christian counseling leaves you. Completely short of Jesus. Do you know that Jesus is the healer? Do you know that? So imagine that we're trying to do healing without the healer. Our professionals are crazy good at what they do, but if they don't follow Jesus or believe in him, they can only get you so far. And what's hard for me to watch is our friends go through counseling and be, it's like right there, you know, you're like, oh, come on, you can do it. You're almost there. And Jesus is going, just take that next, it's right here, I'm right here. But man, imagine combining those forces. Imagine combining the incredible wisdom and intellect that God gives these incredible therapists. So if you don't know the difference, when I talk about these things, there's three main C's in the kind of serving industry. There's counseling, there's uh, coaching, and there's consulting, okay? Counseling deals with the past. All of you are like, I don't go to counseling. Okay. All we're telling you is that you can, that's, that's the job of a counselor, is to deal with the things in the past. And there are things like I grew up with that I keep tripping on sometimes later in life, and I'm going, how do I get over that? I go to a counselor and process it. Does that make sense? Uh, coaching is someone who is uh, working with you, assuming you're pretty good, things are okay, we're just trying to get, I, I want to get from A to Z, and I, I'm kind of getting lost, and no, a coach helps you get there. And then consultants, you actually are paying for their advice. Does that make sense? So there's the difference in those three things. But great counselors that love Jesus are going to take you to the point of recovery and go, now go sit with Jesus. Now go be with, with God. So I want to read a passage tonight. Uh, anybody bring their physical Bible? Because I'm really proud of you if you did. Look at y'all. Come on. If I, if, I'm not proud of you if you didn't. I'm just kidding. That's the saddest thing I've ever said from a stage. Uh, if you don't have one, we always have some in the back. If you want to get one, you can get it now, or you can just follow along. We've got it on the screens. just encourage you to bring this, because sometimes you're going to want to reread some of this stuff. So if you open to Matthew 6, it's in the New Testament. We're going to start in verse 25. But here's the crazy thing is right before this verse, Jesus, any of the red letters, if you're wondering, that's Jesus talking. You can't see that on the screen because they're just white letters. But in the Bible, in your physical Bible, there's red letters. And this is Jesus talking to people. It depends on the situation, but in this situation, he's talking to his, his peeps, his guys. And right before this passage, he literally, you've heard this passage where he says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and what? Money. Do you remember that? So he's literally just talking about our financial security. He's talking about you, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't let financial security run your life, okay? So he's literally talking about our security and finances. And then this is what he says. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Let's pause there. How many of you have added time in your life by being anxious? Most of the time you go, why did I just waste the last three hours thinking, why didn't they invite me to the dinner? You guys, when I didn't have, I grew up without social media, I didn't know I didn't get invited. (laughs) It was awesome. You know what I'm talking about. Half the time you're looking at it to see if you got invited. And the anxiety of just wondering adds to your mental health challenges. And Jesus is saying, hey, does it help you to be anxious? How many of you in this room, you don't have to raise hands, but don't elbow the person next to you either, think that being anxious really helps you move the thing forward? It just doesn't, does it? But we live there. It's like Jesus knew this. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, who was the wisest man considered uh, king in the Old Testament, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who don't believe in Jesus, that's the way he was using that term here, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things, all of these things will be added to you. So therefore, brothers and sisters in the room and the table tonight, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. It's got its own sufficient for the day and its own trouble. A couple key ideas I want you to hear about this. What he talks, why would he go straight into anxiety when we're talking about money? What he's saying to us is anxiety and anxiousness can be, I'm not saying it always is, but it can be an outward sign of a lack of trust, can it? Do I trust you, God, with my money? That's what he's talking about ahead of time. Now he's saying, do I trust you with my life a little bit? Do I trust you? Your feet, I mean, look, the birds are fine. They got what they need. So I'll tell you, as I was telling you, I had to fire 15 of my favorite people on the planet. And one day I'll kind of unpack all that with you. But here's the, I was driving in that morning. You guys have to know, this is my nightmare, firing one of my friends. Imagine doing that 15 times in one day. And I didn't have a choice. I had to do it. Driving in that day, I felt like God said two things to me that I will always treasure in my heart. He said, Tyler, two things I want you to know today. Number one, you are not their provider. I am. Because that was my fear. These are my friends. What are they going to do? How are they going to get paid? And God said, that's not your job. Number two, you could never love them more than I love them. And you guys, I'm telling you, it did not make it easier in the sense of it was still very hard. It made it easier because I knew God was with me and I knew God was with them. And what's beautiful is I, the way we planned it, we kind of gave them an eight-week runway. And you guys, I'm telling you, 14 out of 15 got better jobs. Most of them are still in those jobs to this day. They make more money, and they're happier than they were when they were doing the stuff we were doing. Because God is faithful, and he's good, and he has good plans. So the question is, most of the time anxiety and stress comes down to one idea. Do you trust your Heavenly Father? And some of you tonight are going, I've never trusted my Heavenly Father because I've got a really bad earthly father example. And I, my prayer tonight is that you just actually go, maybe it's worth a try. 
Maybe tonight, after this message, I'm just going to, maybe I, maybe I, I, I've been trying to overcome this mental health challenge, this anxiety on my own. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, God has something different for me. Number two is that there's a massive contrast for believers here. You saw that, right? The Gentiles even seek after some of these things. And he says, but don't do that as believers. Let me read that one more time. He said, um, for the Gentiles seek after these things of what shall we eat and what shall we wear and what shall we drink. The Gentiles are going to seek after those non-believers are going to seek after these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. He knows that. I love when Jesus does these quick little turns, but seek first the kingdom. If you follow me, we're going to do it a little different. That's what he said. If you follow me, we're going to cross this finish line a little differently. And we're going to fill it with hope and belief because belief is going to inform our behavior. And the last part is he says, seek first. That's what we're going to continue to do tonight. We're going to seek God first in the midst of this. The word to seek is zoteo in Greek. It says to seek what is lost and what is due. It has two nuances. They they kind of put it together, but it's simply this idea that seek something that has been lost. That's the kind of fire that God wants to light in you tonight. That when we seek righteousness instead of anxiety, when we seek God instead of anxiety, it needs to have the fire like you're pursuing something that was lost forever. I remember my wife and I got married. It was 23 years ago. I went up. We uh, were in seminary in Boston, and uh, it's freaking cold as crap up there. And so... The first, uh, the first real snow we had was like 14 inches, which when you do that in Georgia where I grew up, it's like the world shuts down. Up there, they're like, yeah, the mall's open at normal time. I'm like, how? What's happening? We've been married for five months. We have our first snow. And what do you do when you're a southerner and snow hits the ground? Sled, right? Just me? No? Nobody else sleds? Okay. Boy, that was a complete lackluster response there. So I go sledding with some buddies. I borrowed some clothes, got in there, and uh, that night I get back to the, uh, our little one-bedroom apartment, and I'm kind of taking off my jacket, took the gloves off, whatever. No wedding ring. Gone. That's right. Now you're, now you're with me, aren't you? <laughs> Listen, five months into marriage, you lose your wedding ring. No bueno. I literally put a headlamp on, tree traced. It's 12 inches of snow. I ain't finding that. It's like the Lord of the Rings has just melted down into the thing, right? And I was convinced. I was like, I'm going to have to wait till March for the snow to melt and go find this joker with a metal detector. So I confessed to my lovely bride. She was like, wow, this is going to be a short run. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, you know, you just, what are you going to do? There ain't nothing you can do about it. Next day, a guy I worked with, I had borrowed his gloves, and it had come off in the glove. He went to put his glove on, and he was like, what is this? So we, we find this thing. But I'm going to tell you, that two hours where I was looking, this is the kind of looking I was doing. You weren't going to stop me from looking. And leaders, tonight, I want to tell you something. You got a chance tonight to go after God like that. And I don't think it's going to be this incident. I don't feel anxious anymore. I'm not struggling with mental health anymore. I'm no longer dealing with feelings of depression or the things that come with mental health. But I do believe that we have a really good Heavenly Father who when we come to Him and ask for healing, when we come to Him and ask for recovery, when we come to Him and seek Him for for beauty in our lives, He comes through. 
And so there's three things we're going to do. Craig talks about these three things. I do not believe, by the way, that anxiety is a sin. I don't believe that you are so in the wrong when this happens. I believe, though, that it's not the best thing for us. Like God wants really good things for us. So I want to tell you what I did in that season where the weight was on my chest every morning. And what Lisa talks about of these feelings uh, being indicators, uh, they were dictating all of my behavior at that time. And I remember thinking, okay, uh, you guys, the longer we spend time together, you realize how much I love roller skating, but I also love Bon Jovi, okay? It's true. Check my Instagram. I'm really good at it. But you know how many Bon Jovi songs are going to lift me out of anxiety? Only living on a prayer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? Do you know how many um, Usher songs from the Super Bowl are going to lift me? I mean, yeah, it's got potential. But here's what I knew. I needed truth anchored so deep in my spirit that the days I don't feel it's true, I'm going to proclaim it's true. You guys, if you've been redeemed, you need to tell people you've been redeemed. If you know that truth has brought you from death to life, you need to tell people. If you're sad, you need to tell people. You're in a community right here called The Table that is a space for you to come and tell people. It's a place for you to go, God healed me of something I have been waiting to get healed from. God provided a job that I never thought I would get. God has done things in my life that you cannot imagine. That's the kind of community you're in right here. That we're going to proclaim when God is good. We're going to proclaim even when we don't feel like he's good, that he's still good. And so the three things we're going to do in the moments of the dark nights of the soul, the moments where you're going, God, I don't know which way is up. There were three times in that season that I was laying in the fetal position on the couch going, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And every time my wife would look at me and go, I know you're scared, but I'm not. Because I know who we serve. You guys, I said this a minute ago. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. Do you understand the difference there? We don't have to go find it. It's been done. Jesus overcame death so that you can overcome these things. And when you come to him and you surrender to him and you say, Jesus, I cannot do this without you and I don't want to. I don't want to just pull up the bootstraps and try to figure this thing out. We need truth. So for the last Five years of my life, every day before noon, I will listen to nothing but worship music. Now, I'll tell you this. When I grew up and I was your age, worship music stunk. So it wasn't as good of an option. But you guys, the stuff we are singing, the music that's coming out now, if you come to me and you try to go, yeah, but I don't like Christian music, I will get you some good Christian music. But what would it look like if every day you woke up with a different truth in your heart that maybe, maybe, just maybe, your Heavenly Father has good plans for you? That maybe living under this cloud of depression and anxiety, although very real and quite often very chemical, that maybe God has ability to heal that thing. But maybe you haven't even asked him. When was the last time you contended for yourself and said, God, I'm not leaving this circle like Chris talked about the first week until you do this thing in my life? Because I need you desperately, God. It's therapy and Jesus. It's friends and Jesus. It's you and Jesus. So the three things I want to challenge you with tonight, what we're going to do when we're in those dark nights of the soul, when we're going, I don't know which way is up. The first one is this, we're going to pray. 
We're going to pray. Craig talks all about this in his book. I want to encourage you to read it. We're going to pray. Listen to what Jesus did. Matthew 26. And a couple weeks before Easter, Chris and I are going to talk about some of these things that Jesus did prior to uh, the resurrect, death and resurrection. Jesus was in the middle of all this. Judas had just betrayed him. All the world around him was crumbling in on him. And Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here, because I have to go there and pray. And talking with Peter and the two sons, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Everybody felt that before. You've all felt that. I feel it daily. And he said to God, he said, my soul is sorrowful, God. Even to death, remain here. And watch me, he said this to his disciples. He was praying these things to God. And he said, going a little further, he fell on his face. Some of you need to fall on your face tonight. And he prayed, my father, if it's possible, please, please, please take this from me. Take it from me. And going a little further, he fell on his face again. And then he came back to his disciples. And do you remember this? He found them sleeping, didn't he? And if you read the old King James, it says, could you not tarry for an hour? I love that term. And you're going, I don't even know what that means. It's all right. Could you not stay up? You remember the first night I said, we're not going to ever create a space for you to fall asleep. But we are going to create a space for you to get on your face before God and say, God, I surrender to you. Because I have tried to overcome this thing on my own and it's not working. So tonight I'm going to give it to you, God. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to pause. We're going to reset a little bit. Sometimes in the leadership coaching I do, the, the amount of times that a leader who's struggling to lead someone or work with someone, if they would just pause for a second and think, why are we in this position? What are they coming to? What's the perspective shift? It'll change your, your understanding. And some of you haven't paused to think about what God might be doing in your life and why he hasn't opened the doors you think he needs to open. But sometimes we need to pause. Uh, Psalm 46 says this, Psalm 46, verse 10. You've heard this passage a million times. Be still and know what? That I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And some of you haven't stopped to know that he is God. And I'm going to encourage you to do that tonight because he says, I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. And the last thing I'm going to tell you is we're going to praise. And some of you go, I'm not a singer. Cool. But if you don't recognize that worship is a weapon, then you haven't been around this thing long enough. Uh, You ever watch a worship leader who you can tell is fighting on your behalf as they lead? It will change the entire trajectory of that room. And on every dark night of the soul that I had, I turned to these things, but the thing that changed the climate was praise. God, I praise you because you've brought me this far. God, I praise you for my incredible friends. God, I praise you because you've made me this way. Worship is warfare, you guys. We are living in a day and age, by the way, that the media is contending for your mind. And I believe that Jesus says, I've already got that. Why don't you give it to me? Why don't you surrender to me? You know, uh, I've been sitting in this stool all night. I didn't even realize I lost my little microphone thing. Sorry about that. 
But if I actually believe this thing, some of you are like, I like that stool. That's a cool stool. That's the way you've treated faith. And you said, well, I kind of surrender. I mean, I'm, it's cool. That's terrible. I was putting out the vibe. <laughs> Sometimes you just kind of come around it. You know, you're like, this thing's cool. I mean, like, okay, worship's great. I, uh, Sunday, I can't watch that. Sunday, I was uh, in church. And it's been a long time, you guys, since I just was like, you know what? I, don't, I got no responsibilities. But I, as, a, as a paid Christian, quite often I'm in rooms like this and I'll sing a song or two because I like it and then I'll move on to my job. And I realized, like, on your behalf, I've got to worship in war. I've got to go to war on your behalf that we can change the spirit realm, that we can change the activity that is getting in here and keeping you from what Jesus has for you. And some of you, the stories that has played out in your life and you tell them to me, I would tell you, I am so sorry. That shouldn't have been that way. They shouldn't have done that to you. But if you let your life continue to move on for the rest of your life because you can't break free from these obstacles, I believe it's not just because you haven't gone to counseling or whatever the work is you got to do, but it's because you got to surrender to God. There's a healing that takes place when we sit in the presence of God. And when you finally come to the point of exhaustion and say, Jesus, nothing else but you. Nothing else but you. And so you walk around this faith thing, and you're like, that's cool. Yeah, I'm going to get back to that. Jesus, I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to come back to you, I promise. But you guys, I'm asking you tonight, table, what would it look like if we put all the faith, all the trust onto the one who's worth it? We said it a few weeks ago, if you, and Andy Stanley used to say this all the time, if, if you can predict your own death and resurrection and do it, I'll listen to you as well. What if we actually believe tonight that he wants to move you out of that cloud a little bit? So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to pray, we're going to pause, and we're going to praise. I know I'll, I'll be over here, Chris Bacon's around, a few of the team is here. If you need us to pray for you, we'll pray for you. We have an incredible counseling center here. Uh, at the church. And if, if you want to talk to us about that and, and, and you say, I, I don't know what that looks like, come talk to us about that. Some of you need to sit where you are and pause. And you need to reset a little bit. What, you need to realign what's happening here and what's happening here. Some of you have some fasting to do. You need to get rid of some music you're listening to because it does in no way does it help you get through this season. Some of you are watching stuff that is absolutely toxic to the belief that you are good because God says you're good and he has good plans for you. I don't know what you need to do tonight, but I know everyone in this room needs to do something with God. And so we're not in a hurry. We're going to take our time. You serve, you do what you need to do. And the song we're going to sing, literally at the end of this season I was going through, I was invited to go see some friends in Nashville. There's a church up there called The Belonging Co., and they were having their second conference. And, and honestly, Henry and, and Alex were like, Tyler, just come and just receive. Because I, I serve all the time. So they're like, just come and receive. And we were sitting there. And this, uh, if you know any worship music, a guy named Cody Carnes. He's married to Carrie Job, And they've sung a song or two that are decent. And uh, I think they're going to make it, guys. They're on the rise. I'll never forget this. As long as I live. <laughs> Cody, by himself, on a piano, 
sang a song that he'd never performed live before. And I felt like I was literally sitting in his quiet room by himself where he, just, he was just letting it out to God. The song is called Nothing Else. And it's probably my favorite worship songs of all time. Because it feels like the thing you say when it's just you and God. And that's what we're going to sing tonight. And some of you just need to sing it because it is just you and God in this space. And um, I, I honestly, I, I've been praying so much for tonight because this is a really difficult task. Because I don't want anyone in this room to walk away going, Tyler doesn't believe in mental health or mental illness. You guys, I spend my days trying to bring health to my friends who are struggling with depression and anxiety and all the things we're talking about. But I promise you, there is not enough counseling in the world to get you to full healing that Jesus can do. It is a both and. And some of you, it's just a Jesus tonight. So if you close your eyes, we're going to lean into the song. I want to pray over you. I believe God's got something for you. some of you tonight. There's a breakthrough for some of you tonight that you've been waiting on for a long, long time, but you have a responsibility to give it to God, to surrender it all, to say, God, there's nothing else I want. Matter of fact, with our eyes closed, let's just stand for a second. If you would, stand where you are. Maybe you need to put your palms out like we've talked about in a kind of a sign of surrender. And maybe you just need to say, God, I, I don't even know what posture or position I need to be in, God, but I, I just, whatever it takes, I'm going to pursue you tonight, God. I'm going to seek you like a lost, something I've lost that matters so deeply to me. And I don't care what the person to the right or to the left is doing tonight, God, but I am going to seek you with all of my heart. And I pray that you will meet me. And I promise you guys, he will do that for you. So God, as we sing this song and as we, we declare as a group, as a community, nothing else, God, but you. Nothing else matters tonight. And God, we put our mental health, our challenges, the, the things that are very real in our hearts and our minds, our mindsets, we lay them here tonight, God, to bring healing in our hearts, bring healing in our minds, that our mindsets will become anchored to the truth of the word so that we can live flourishing lives. And I pray for our friends in this room tonight, God, as someone just a season ahead, that one of the most critical things we can do is trust you, God, with everything that we have. Is trust you, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit can do the things you say it can do. And you can bring healing to our lives. And so, God, we just say tonight, nothing else. Nothing else.